God, today we ask you to hear our prayers. We ask for healing. In a day where we are so connected to the world, set us apart. In a time of great unrest and uncertainty, we ask for holiness. So search our hearts, renew our minds, and help us love like you love us. Make us holy. Use us to do your will on this earth. God, today we ask that you would restore us. Gather up the bits and pieces of our souls and mend them with your loving hand. Search out those parts that we try to hide from you. Today, God, we invite you in. Our faith is in Jesus Christ. We trust you. May we be set apart for you. May we be holy. Good morning, Grace. Good to see everybody this morning. Uh, this last week we had an opportunity, my family, meaning me and my wife and our youngest son, uh, went over to Augusta, Georgia. That's where our middle son and his wife live. If you're unfamiliar with Augusta, Georgia, there's a little slice of heaven there in Augusta, Georgia. In fact, it's Master's Week uh, this week. Most of you in here may not care about that. But some might. I'm one of those that happens to like Master's Week. I've actually been to Augusta, to the Masters, not for a regular round. Have always wanted to go, uh, but the elders haven't paid for my ticket yet. <laughs> if you go to StubHub, they only started about $2,500 for one day. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But anyway, uh, we were over there this past week, and I was at the gas station, and I was filling up my truck, and there was a man across the way filling up his vehicle, and on the opposite side of the street, beyond the fencing, is Augusta National. Now, you can't see the course from anywhere. You have to go inside. And it's unbelievable. When you walk in there, I mean, it, it's just really hard to describe. I went years ago to a practice round, and my goal was to find one blade of brown grass. It does not exist there. But anyway, so he's filling up his tank. I'm filling up mine. And I noticed he was from Minnesota. And um, he had a baseball cap on and... He just looked like one of those guys that was about 65 years old that had some money that was going to the tournament. And I said to him, I said, sir, are you uh, going to the tournament this next week? He said, I am. I said, um, so what day are you going? He said, well, I'm going Tuesday to practice round, and then I'm going Thursday Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. 
I said, Lord, is it your will for me to ask this man to take me with him? <laughs> I was like, wow. I said, you know, on the other side of that fence is a little slice of heaven. He said, yeah, it is. I said, but it's not the real heaven. I said, I'm looking forward to the real heaven. How about you? He said, sir, have a nice day. And that was the end of the conversation. But you know, you never know when you're going to have an opportunity. And I'm not, I do not have the gift of evangelism, but I have the responsibility to tell others about my Lord. And so it was a little window. I probably could have used one of those guys that has the gift. They probably could have carried on the conversation a little bit longer than I did and give me some pointers about what to say and what not to say. But, you know, there really is no comparison, is there, to what we're going to and to who we're going to, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you. Uh, I put together a little schedule here uh, for you for the next couple of weeks leading up to Easter. Uh, Bible reading challenge, and I've given you a sheet there, but for those out and about, we'll say, maybe you're camping and you're not here this morning. There might be a few of those. Hello. Uh, here is your Bible reading challenge, and I thought maybe you could take pictures of it, but I've got the sheet for you guys. Um, there'll be, you'll be reading, uh, or hopefully we'll all be reading Matthew 26 through 28. I've given you kind of a daily schedule, and as you can see, like on that last one there, April 6th through the 8th, um, I just wanted you to spend some time in it, kind of like we did this last reading together, just spend some extra time in it, making some observations, just kind of looking at it afresh as far as the crucifixion and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord and kind of the events around that. So April 4th, 5th, and 6th there will be those uh, sections in chapter 26. And then, as you can see there, the top one, April 9th through 11th, there will be a pretty good chunk there uh, in Matthew 26. And then you can see the remainder of the schedule there through the 14th. And then leading up to Easter Sunday. Now... I've given you there on the 17th an a.m. reading and a p.m. reading, and it's, inten it's intentional. I mean, I just didn't put it there just to have something there, a.m., p.m., but it's intentional for all of us that we would read about the burial and the resurrection uh, leading up to the service. I would encourage you to read it before you come uh, that morning, and then maybe sometime in the afternoon or evening before you go to bed, kind of read that section, Matthew 28, 9 through 20, so... Just want to encourage you to do that. Uh, I have had a lot of different comments about the opportunity to, to be challenged to do this. And as we know, the discipline of reading God's Word, it is a discipline. And so we all need to be you know, challenged uh, in that. And uh, I hope you'll find this um, exercise um, for you uh, to be very fruitful. Okay? So I wanted to encourage you uh, in that. Also wanted to make mention... We will, we've moved our visitor luncheon from today to the, till the 24th of this month. We contacted those who had already signed up, just in case you're thinking, that did you call those people? Uh, we already did, and uh, we moved it to the 24th of the month to give opportunity for others maybe to sign up. And also, 
I did not realize when we were scheduling it, it's the end of spring break and some people are out of town and such. And so I want to give people an opportunity to sign up for that. I encourage you to pick up one of these if you did not get one last week. Life at Grace kind of tells you all the events, things going on. I would encourage you to um, take a look at that uh, during the sermon today or as you get home this afternoon, all right? Okay, why don't we uh, take our Bibles and let's go to 1 John, and that's where we're studying. And we will read from chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. We will cover this morning in our study, chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. We will introduce verses 9 through 11, but we will not have time to go through the whole section this morning. But it's appropriate, I believe, that we finish it next Sunday. Uh, We will have the uh, Lord's Supper next Sunday at the end of our service. I think it fits really, really well with what we will be doing here uh, this morning and next week. So why don't we stand and let's uh, read together 1 John 2, 7 through 11. Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. Notice the pronoun usage there, his brother. The one who loves his brother abides or dwells in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. May the Lord bless the reading of his word and help us by his spirit to understand what he is saying here. Let's pray uh, together. Lord, we thank you so much uh, for another day of life, for an opportunity to be able to um, worship you. And Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would work in the hearts and lives of us that belong to you today to help us to consider the things that are before us as it relates to the subject of what uh, I believe John is referring to here, and that's the subject of loving our brothers. I pray that we would consider all of our brothers and sisters in Christ today as we consider uh, together what you say about the importance of abiding in love uh, so that our fellowship with you is not interrupted May, uh, Lord, we be honest about that. These are difficult truths that you've given for the consideration of John's audience first and then for us today. Down through the centuries, they've had to consider uh, this instruction. It's very heavy, very weighty, but very, very critical to our ongoing fellowship with you. So I pray that you would help us by your spirit today. May you be honored and glorified in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Good morning, church. You know, uh, all throughout the book of John, 1 John, uh, he refers to the believers as his children, little children. And that got me to thinking about a book that came out many years ago by uh, Dan DeHaan. 
uh, called The God You Can Know. And in that book, he goes through all the characteristics of God. He talks about his love, his righteousness, uh, his justice, his mercy, his compassion. And then he kind of sums it up with one word. He said there's one word that really describes God the best, and it's Father. He is our perfect Father. Uh, he's a Father that we can run to uh, in any situation. He's always ready to meet our needs. He's always ready to forgive and restore. Uh, and I'm always reminded when I think of God as a Father uh, of the prodigal son and that parable and how eagerly that Father waited, and he was the one that ran out to meet uh, the son who had returned to him. So that's the focus of our worship this morning. Let's all lift his name high as we worship the Lord together. heaven 
soul found a prayer, so I'll run to the Father again and again and again and again. Oh, 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 and again and again. Oh. perfect father who's perfect in all his dealings with us and we serve a good good father right guys listen Deeper still as you call me, deeper. 
as still as you call me deeper still into love 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 you're a good good God to you are to you are to you are and I'm loved by you to I am to I am Amen. And he's a good, good father. Amen. When I go to a Mexican restaurant, they bring out the chips. I use as much salt as humanly possible. In fact, one of the most uncomfortable things is to eat with people that you love that for some reason don't believe in the salt shaker and you're sitting across from him and you're trying to be kind and considerate and you hold up the shaker and say can we use this and like, well we really don't like salt in our chips too much and you're thinking man I want to use this whole shaker right but every time I go to a Mexican restaurant I use a bunch of salt. We use salt in our culture a lot. You know what else we use a lot in our culture? We use the word love a lot. Do you agree with that? I'm guilty of it. I've said I love steak. From this pulpit. We use that word so much in our everyday language that it may be possible that that word has lost some of its punch. Not only in the church, but just in Christian circles in general. In fact, when we use the word, I think sometimes we're not quite certain what we're saying. In fact, we would say to two young people who are in love, when they say they love each other for the very first time, what are you doing? 
What do you mean by you are in love? Love is a word that is bantered about so much that it may have even lost some of its punch as it relates to what Scripture says about love. It may be that we need a refresher on truly what the word itself means. And in context, as we come to understand, that is exactly what John is talking about. He uses the term agapao, which is a form of the word agape. Agapao is the verb form, that we are to love others who are in Christ. We are to demonstrate brotherly love. How's that working out in your life? Have you ever had a time in your life where you have hated your brother? Careful when you answer that. Hate is somewhat of an ambiguous term, and so it's hard to kind of put meaning and guts to it. But when you start thinking about hate in terms of demonstrating that, it, it really kind of makes you uncomfortable. Have you ever had bitterness in your heart toward your brother or sister in Christ? What would we call that? Hate. Have you ever wanted to get back at your brother or sister in Christ for something they've done to you? Revenge may be the word we would use for that. Have you ever had that happen in your life where you have wanted revenge? (laughs) Those aren't necessarily questions that you're going to just say, Yeah, Thad. But the reality of it is that as I look at my own life, I won't touch yours, but as I look at my own life, and I've studied this section, and it's not a section that's just, or a subject that's just brought up once, but John continues to bring it up. We're forced to think about our love for our brothers and our sisters in Christ. Is it present or is it not? Is there hatred or is there not? I remember the first time that I was forced to deal with that. I was sitting in a church service like this. And the pastor was faithfully disseminating the responsibility to love our brothers and our sisters in Christ. And the Spirit of God just got a hold of me. And not only did he get a hold of me, he put a name to it. A name that I had not thought of in some time, to be honest. And it was very, very uncomfortable. I'll tell you the rest of the story at the end of the message. I want us to understand what John is saying here. Because... The majority of theologians believe that John is addressing the issue of love and specifically loving your brothers in Christ. And it's quite interesting the way that he starts this section. I've entitled this 
series, these two messages, What About Love? When was the last time you considered loving your brother or your sister in Christ? Or do you just attend church? (laughs) And not give a whole lot of thought to that. Like the brothers and sisters around me over here, I'm good with. But the brothers and sisters over here, I'm not so good with. I ran into the question this week as I was studying, and the Lord gave it to me. Is avoidance potentially a sign of hatred? We can talk afterwards. And I'm not talking about avoiding another side of an audience. That's just real shallow. But I'm talking about avoiding a person. It's interesting the way that John starts this section out. If you're going to talk about love, you better start out this way. He says, beloved. Notice what's in that. Love. In fact, this word is a very tender word that John uses. And did you know that the term agape is in that? So he's writing to people, to brothers and sisters that he loves. In fact, there's a very strong argument here that he is writing to believers. Not only is be referred to little children and children he uses a lot, but the term beloved he uses a lot. He says, I am not writing, beloved, a new commandment to you. In fact, he's he's emphasizing this in the Greek language. In the Greek, it reads, no new commandment am I writing to you. In other words, this is nothing you haven't heard before. I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. There are two things here said about the old commandment that are very critical. Number one, notice what he says in the middle of the verse. But an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. So this commandment, first of all, it's singular. It's different from commandments in the previous section. Not only is it singular, but it's interesting here. John says you've had this from the beginning. From the beginning of what? What's he talking about? Well, he's referring to the beginning of the instruction that was given to them as they came to know Christ. The beginning of their life with Christ. Notice he says, which you have had from the beginning. You've had from the very start of your Christian life. I got to thinking about that and I was like, man... That's really critical, is it not? That at the beginning of one's Christian life, we receive the instruction to love our brothers and our sisters. Because the world, in contrast, hates just fine. Have you noticed that? Hates just fine. But it's not fine with the Lord. In the context of the church, in the context of 
of brothers and sisters in Christ. So he says, you've had it from the beginning. It's not a new commandment to you. And then notice what he says. Secondly, he says, what you've had from the beginning, the beginning of your life with Christ. But he says, what you've had from the beginning, the old commandment, is the word which you have heard. All right? So, first, he speaks of it in relationship to the beginning of their life as a Christian. In fact, in 2 John verse 5, we have the same phrase that's used. John writes, Now I ask you, lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one which we, notice John includes himself in that, which we have had from the beginning that we, what, love one another, okay? So this refers to the very beginning of the instruction that was given to them. But secondly, we see in the text that the commandment to love was faithfully given to them. It was faithfully given to them. Notice in the verse, it says the old commandment is the word you have heard. They had already heard it. When you leave today, you will not be able to say that you have not heard about the commandment to love your brother in Christ. I am quite certain that for you who are in here, this is not something that's new to you. But many of you have heard it before. John makes clear that this audience of his was faithfully given the instruction to love their brothers. That puts a great deal of emphasis on discipleship. The importance of discipling other believers. That within that, there's this, we need to talk about the issue of loving your brother or your sister in Christ, no longer is hatred acceptable. It's not. We can hate sin, but in the context of the church, we're to love one another. In the context of those who do not belong to the Lord, we are to love them. How is that fleshed out? How do we flesh out that we love those who are not a part of the church? We give them the gospel. That's what we do. You love them, you give them the truth. Right? We're always saying to parents, if you love your children, you'll tell them the truth. Well, if you love people who aren't a part of the church, you'll tell them the truth. So John here is complimentary here. He's saying they had heard it. The word had already been delivered to them. All right? So you have the old in verse 7. We come to verse 8 and we have the new. Excuse me. The new. You say, that? what's the commandment? We're going to get to it. Here it is. Verse 8. John says, on the other hand, 
I am writing a new commandment to you. You're like, John, what are you doing? You just said you weren't, but now you are. That word new there means fresh. Okay? means fresh. Um, it's a fresh commandment. And it was relatively new, and we're going to see that as we look at the commandment itself. In fact, John himself was given the commandment along with the other ten who were in the room after Judas left. Which is very critical. Because Judas would not be able to love like the Lord instructed these others to love. He says, on the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So what in the world is this commandment? You say that it's to love one another. It is, but there's a little more there, okay? And I think it's important for you to see the little more there. Because there's a phrase that Jesus uses that is absolutely critical. It puts a little more weight to it. All right? We get it from John chapter 13, verse 34. Another reason that it's called new is because Jesus said it was new. Sounds all right to me, right? How about you? New, well, you say, hold on a second. Weren't they instructed to love in the Old Testament? Answer, yes. Leviticus 19 says they were instructed to love. But there's something here in this that's a little bit different. Notice what it says. A new commandment I give to you, remember, after Judas has departed, that you love one another. So he's talking to the eleven. Were they all the same? Were the eleven all the same? (laughs) No. You had a tax collector. He was loved, wasn't he? Along with a bunch of fishermen, right? You had lots of different personalities in that room. So I can't imagine what it must have been like for those guys to hear this, right? Try to put yourself in the sandals of these guys, right? A new commandment I give to you. Were they familiar with the old as it related to the Old Testament? Answer, yes. But notice what he says. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Oh, that's the same commandment. No, no, no. Look at this next little phrase. Even as I have done what? Loved you. That you also love one another. So he starts with a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. He ends with love one another. But in the middle, he's got this huge huge phrase even as I have loved you it's like telling husbands which Paul does love your wives is that true? is that where he stops? even as what? Christ loved the church. It's already hard enough, Paul, without that phrase. 
true. Let's be honest. So the commandment to love one another, okay, but he puts some weight there, even as I have loved you. Part of that they had just seen in the upper room. And then you have to take the whole of the ministry. You can't just take that part. But the whole of the ministry. How had he loved them? Pretty heavy stuff. He loved them so much that in hours he would go to the cross and die for them. That word... Love is the word unconditional and sacrificial love. Impossible without the Spirit of God. Impossible. We're going to see that in just a minute. Well, if something is mentioned once, okay, but later on in the room, he says it again. There's lots of love stuff going on in that room in terms of instruction. Read chapter 15 this afternoon. A lot there. But specifically, he says it again. This is my commandment. A new commandment I give to you. This is my commandment. Who is he? Thank you. He's God. He's not like the world says he is. He's not your little buddy. He's not a glorified Santa Claus. He is God. And he says to his followers, it's my commandment. That you love one another. And look at that last phrase. Just as I have loved you. you're Peter you're going but Lord do you know Matthew do you know that Thaddeus dude I've always wanted to say that from the pulpit John and Peter and James and Andrew and all those guys and they're up there and, and they're listening to the Lord's instruction right before the cross Weighty, weighty. This love for one another that he attaches for them, it's attached to the way he loved them. He wasn't waiting for them to be lovable. He loved them. You love your brother. When that message went on years ago, I sat in that sanctuary and the Lord put that man on my mind. Thad, do you love him? It was like the Lord was sitting right there saying, Thad, do you love him? And I had to admit to my Lord that I had a bitterness in my heart toward that man. You know what happens in the church when it comes to this subject of love and hatred and all? Well, if I hate my brother, I'm going to another church. 
I'll just move from the problem. And I won't have to deal with it anymore, and God's good with it. Is God good with it? No, he's not. The walls don't separate us from the body of Christ. But I am quite certain that in the landscape of the church, there may be one or two who have left the church because they've hated a brother or a sister and have never made it right. What do you think? Think there's one or two? Maybe even three or four. Heavy commandment. Notice what he says. On the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him. The word true there means fact. It's a fact in him. The Lord loves. But also it says, and in you. The church can love like the Lord loves. True? It can. I'm going to show you the key components to that in just a minute. He says, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away. The darkness here refers to the world, the system of wickedness, evil. It's passing away. You say, well, how do you know it's passing away? I mean, how many times have you thought, man, I wish it'd hurry up and pass away? The Bible says it. Chapter 2, verse 17, the world is what? It's passing away. It's departing. That's the idea of the word passing away there. So he says, on the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away. It's departing and the true light is already shining. Now, this is very important for you to hear. The word true there is different from the word up in the beginning of the verse in terms of the way it's used. It's a different form of the word. And it really reads this way. Because darkness, the darkness is passing away and the very light is already shining. It's the word genuine. The genuine light is already shining. Well, who said he was the light of the world? Jesus did. He's the true light. And do you know that believers can shine as the Lord? Did you know that? We can shine to the world and to others. I like the way that uh, Dr. Anderson puts it. He says, when we, this is so weighty, when we love each other as the Lord Jesus loves us, we become lighthouses of his love in this dark world. Not only were the disciples commanded to love one another, but in that same context, you remember what he says about love and relationship to the world? The world will know that you are my followers by what? Your love for one another. So this issue of love and loving one another, it's big. It's big. It's huge. 
It's tremendous. It's something that possibly the church has neglected in terms of what I would call um, trying to trying to put this in a words that a weighty discussion. It's a weighty discussion. It's one that deserves attention. Jesus spent time talking to his disciples about it. John spends time talking to these believers about the importance of love and how it relates to being in fellowship with the Lord. So Dr. Anderson, I think, puts it well here when he says, we become lighthouses. We do when we love one another, and especially in this dark world that we're living in. Well, you say that, I can love like the Lord loved? You can. Not in your own strength, but we can. And there's two very important things that I wanted to point out this morning that are keys in loving. The first is found in Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5, and this is under the heading of the results of justification. Okay? When a person is justified, the Bible tells us we have what with God? We have peace with God. But it's not just peace with God. He's got a list of things that he, a host of things that he mentions in Romans chapter 5. Look what he says in Romans 5. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Let's look at that again. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit uh, who has been given to us. Not only are we recipients, there's two things here. Not only are we recipients of the love of God, but we can love as He did because His Holy Spirit has been given to us. And at salvation, what happens? The Holy Spirit of God indwells us. So we can love like the Lord commanded the disciples to love in the upper room. And as John speaks about it here, we can do that. But we can't do it on our own. We have the Holy Spirit of God that helps us through that. That can help us through that. And you might be sitting there and you might be saying, Thad, but you don't know this other believer. They hate me. Well, they might. They might. Their actions might evidence a hatred for you. A disdain for you. What does the Bible tell us? As individuals, we are what? Believers, we're to love one another as he loved us. There have been plenty of conversations that I've had in my Christian life with people who I've wondered about as it related to their love for me. Have you ever had that happen to you? You're not certain about that person's love for you, that unconditional sacrificial love. And it kind of gets uncomfortable. But I want you to be encouraged. At salvation, the love of God was poured out in your heart. 
And the Spirit of God was given to you so that you can love as Jesus loved. But there is a key component as it relates to the Spirit of God, and Paul talks about it. I put here, do Galatians 5. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. Now, what's he doing in Galatians chapter 5? He's talking about what? The contrast between the flesh and the Spirit. I want you to turn back there because I want you to see this with me. Galatians chapter 5. This has some instruction that we don't need to miss. Galatians chapter 5. Notice what it says in verse 14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But notice what he says to the churches here. He says, but if you bite and devour one another, you mean believers do that? Take care that you're not consumed by one another. I was... 17 and it was a Sunday night and I was a teenager and we were going through at our church a split it was ugly My father was the head elder of the church. And I was in the audience. The man who was pastoring the church was very legalistic. He would preach messages. His sermons changed. He began to preach messages on what you wear, what you drink, what you eat, that kind of thing. All that, you know, just legalism. The elders had met with him, long story short came to the point where 60% of the people asked him to leave. He said he was staying. And that Sunday night, I didn't know what was going on other than that. That Sunday night, I just knew my dad was standing up there defending grace. I was like, you know, how you are with your dad? And I'm like, preach it, dad. And and he's doing that. And all of a sudden... You had people start standing up. Biting one another and him. And there's a man that was in front of me and he started to stand up and he did and he started biting at my father. (laughs) This was wrong. I will start with this. I stood up and said, hold on a second. And my dad just looked at me and said, sit down, Pat which was the right thing to do. But I give you that illustration because it can happen within the walls of the church where believers are biting and devouring one another. I believe the key component is what Christ prayed for in the upper room when he prayed for unity with the body. Paul says... If you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. 
Notice what he says. But I say what? Walk by the Spirit. Walk with the help of the Holy Spirit. And you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. And he says, for the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And that's this whole book that he's discussing with these believers. He says, now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit. Inheritance is a gift. Inherit the kingdom of God. That's a whole other sermon in of itself. But he says the fruit, notice verse 22, and notice that fruit is singular. So that when I'm walking by the Spirit, I will display the fruit of the Spirit. Does that make sense? But I have to be walking by the Spirit. It's singular. All of what people talk about as fruits, the fruit of the Spirit will be displayed. There'll be love, there'll be joy, there'll be peace, there'll be patience, there'll be kindness, there'll be goodness, there'll be faithfulness, there'll be gentleness, there'll be self-control. All those things will be if I am walking by the Spirit. So then it puts a tremendous light on walking by the Spirit. Because if I'm not walking by the Spirit, I don't know about you, it is easy for my flesh to get out there and get in the way. Paul knew it. Paul wrote about it. Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, the whole nine yards. He just throws it out there. So it's critical that one walk by the Spirit. Notice what he says. But the fruit of the Spirit is what love. Love. So as I'm walking by the Spirit, you know what I can do? I can love that brother that is hard to love. And I can love that sister that is hard to love. And I can love that pastor that is hard to love. If I'm walking by the Spirit. The end of the story is this. When I was sitting in that church service we had two services at that church and I remember that specific day I sat in first service and that's when the Lord brought it to my mind this person and I was so convicted by it and moved in the right direction that I wanted to hear it again and so I went back to the second service to make sure he said the same thing. You know what happened? He said the same thing. Here's the end of the story. The person wasn't next door to me. The person wasn't in the same town. The person was back here in Birmingham, Alabama. And I was in Green, New York. There's some distance between Green and Birmingham. You don't just take a Sunday afternoon drive. It's 17 wonderful hours 
between there and here. The scenery at times depends on what time of the year you take it. Whew, what amazing scenery. Virginia is a beautiful state. We're driving down. It's Christmas break. And I knew I had to go see him. Wasn't any question in my mind. You know what the question was? How do I start this conversation? <laughs> All right, Lord, I'm willing to go, but like, I know exactly where he is. I know where his office is. I know he'll be there. So I drove my car to the place where he was. I just said, Lord, you're going to have to lead me. Because I don't know what to say. I walked in his office. Bad. Have a seat. I said, I've got something I need to talk with you about. He looked at me and he said, I've got something I need to talk to you about. He said, you first. I said, well, I guess by that time it had been a good seven or eight years. It's amazing how we can put things on the shelf. I don't know if you ever have that happen. But I realized that for the first time in my life that happened. That I was aware of. Where I put him on a shelf and excused it. I said, um, you remember when this particular incident happened? He says, I do. I said, I remember leaving that place really mad at you. In fact, I would even call it hatred. I was so mad and consumed. I was consumed. Are you listening to me? You can be consumed. Was I a believer? Absolutely, I was a believer. I was following the Lord's instruction on making things right with my brother and and so I said, I, I had a hatred in my heart for you for years. I don't think that it was a known hatred for four or five or six or seven of those years. I think in the very beginning it was. I was just like, yeah. But then it kind of calmed down and I went on with life. You say, Thad, how do you do that? I don't know. But you do. You ever had unresolved conflict in your marriage? For weeks or months or years can happen. Answer it can. And I said, I want you to know that I was wrong. And I've asked the Lord for forgiveness, and I'm asking you for that same forgiveness. <laughs> he starts smiling. He looks at me and says, You know what, Dad? I need to talk to you about the same thing. You love your brother? Is it possible that there may be hatred that is snuck in the back door? Let's pray together. Lord, um, any time you're talking about something like this, it can get real uncomfortable. 
I want to thank you for forgiveness. I want to thank you, Lord, that you have forgiven us that belong to you. Your word tells us you've removed our sins. You've cast them into the depths of the sea to be remembered no more. You've removed them as far as the east is from the west. Lord, I'll never forget sitting in that service and being convicted and how it was a growth point in my life, I believe, as a Christian. Lord, I know that, um, like your word tells us, that if we walk by the Spirit, then we can evidence the fruit of the Spirit. It can be seen in our life. And Lord, I pray you'd help us not to try to live by our own strength. Help us to rely on the power that is within us. Lord, I know what freedom from that guilt is like when you have animosity towards your brother. There's, I mean, I, when I left that office, there was such a peace that I had. God, I don't know what's going on in the lives of everyone here, but I pray if there's been a, maybe something even in the past that kind of has been buried and Lord, it's, it's really weighty to think that the world will know that we are followers of you by our love for one another. So I pray that you would help us to be honest. Help us, Lord, to be open to your Spirit's leading and conviction in this area. Because I do think, I'll just speak for myself, I do think that sometimes we can find the church to the people that are in the building. And so maybe we've got brothers and sisters out there who, Lord, um, we need to, to get right with. I pray that your spirit would lead us and guide us. As next week we consider the contrast between loving our brother and hating our brother. Please help us by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand, guys. We close out our service together. Um, we just want to affirm uh, what Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer. That uh, the Father, he said, uh, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then he closed with a very powerful statement. We want to affirm that in our own lives and say it's true um, in our, the way we look at it. And that is that his is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. Amen. O Sovereign God, O matchless King, the saints adore, the angels sing, fall before the throne of grace. You belongs the highest praise. He suffers this passing time under your wings. I will abide. Every enemy shall flee. You are my hope and victory.
Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, clothed in power and in grace, the name above all other things. To the valley for my soul, has made me whole. The word my heart has welcomed home. Now peace like water ever flows. So praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, clothed in Praise the Spirit, created one, clothed in power and in grace, the name above all other names. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the appreciate the guys that put the worship services together. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Brian. We appreciate it so much. Um, I wanted to close by praying for the country of Ukraine and the church there and the people. And there's been so much destruction and interruption in the lives of people. So let's bow together in this prayer. Lord, we just want to thank you so much that we can come to you. And, Lord, that you see all things. You see what's going on. And we know, Lord, that we're moving ever closer to your return. Um, I pray that we would behave as those that belong to you. And we can with the help of your spirit that you've given us. I pray that our minds would be on that. Today, Lord, uh, I want to continue to lift up the country of Ukraine, the Christians in Ukraine, as well as the Christians in Russia. Lord, I pray for the Ukrainians that are suffering so much, Lord, and for the church there. I just pray for a, 
a steadfastness and a resolve, Lord, that uh, you can give them. And I pray, Lord, that um, you would just be with those leaders and help them to um, abide with you, to fellowship with you on a daily basis amidst the, all the instability and the, the, the war going on around them. So we just give you our day. Help us to be encouraged to know, Lord, that we can live victorious in this life because of the Spirit of God that indwells us. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.